0: Two weeks ago, the sermon based on Isaiah chapter 6 focused on the importance and the theology of corporate worship on the Lord's Day. The sermon today flows out of that in that it focuses on another topic which is dear to my heart at this stage in my ministry with you in Covenant Presbyterian Church, and that is the biblical doctrine of the church of Jesus Christ. We will read from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, the first three verses. Let us ask the Lord for his blessing upon his holy word. Our Father, we thank you. For that great love with which, in which you sent your Son to be the Savior of your people. To bind us together in him by your Spirit so that we might be your holy people, the children of God, the church of God. Help us, we pray. Grant us your spirit. Open your word to us. Open our hearts to your word. And help us to receive your word. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Beginning at verse 1. Let us hear the word of God. It is written. Paul called from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. To his name be all praise, honor, and glory, now and forever, amen. Now I want you to take a moment to imagine yourself. I want you to get a mental image of yourself at a restaurant eating a meal i want you to put yourself in that experience see the room see the people just see it feel it be there now i want you to get another mental image of yourself this one this one might really be imaginary but this one at the gym or the fitness center or maybe the medical mall where you do your walking. I want you to be there. I want you to see yourself working out, maybe even with a personal trainer. And now I want you to imagine yourself at the theater or a a show or a concert There you are, looking up at the performers. You get the picture. See yourself in that venue and imagine what that's like. Are you there? Can you see it? There you are at a restaurant, at the gym, at the show. And you know what? You're there with a lot of other people. Did you see them? There are a lot of other people there in the same place, at the same time, doing the same thing for ostensibly the, the, the same reason. You, you, you got it? Right? Can you see it? And I, I, now, now I want you to get a mental image. I want you to put yourself in the picture of sitting at the dining room table in your home or a family member's home for Christmas dinner or another family special occasion. And now I want you to picture yourself, imagine yourself not at the gym by yourself but in the huddle, in the dugout on the field, on the court, with your teammates. And, and now I want you to see yourself not watching the show, but singing in the choir. your one little voice blended in with the others, maybe a barbershop quartet, maybe a choir of 100 people. Compare and contrast restaurant, family, meal, gym, team, concert, attendee, singing in the choir. You see the difference? Do you see the difference? Do you feel the difference? I mean experientially, can you kinda You feel the difference? So here's my question. Where are you right now? At the restaurant or the family table? At the gym or with the team? watching the show or singing in the choir. The way in which you answer that question makes all the difference in your understanding of and your personal experience of the church of Jesus Christ. Right now, you see, right now, do you just happen to be in the same place with other people who just happen to be here at the same time, doing the same thing for the same reason, but with no personal connection to them at all, with no sense of meaningful, mutually shared corporate experience? That's how it is at the restaurant, at the gym, at the show. Or are you here right now, because you belong. Because you belong the way you belong at the family table. Because you belong to the people at the family table. Because you belong the way you would belong to a team. Because you belong the way that you would belong to a choir singing in unison. Do you see the difference? Do you you feel the difference? The way in which you answer that question makes all the difference in your understanding of and your personal experience of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, hold those thoughts and those images in your mind as we learn some of what the Bible teaches about the church of Jesus Christ. The second verse of the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians is packed, packed with points about the church. First of all, in verse 2, Paul addresses his letter to the church of God that is in Corinth. It's the church of God. God is everywhere. But this Church of God is in Corinth. It has a particular locale, a particular identity. That's important. The Christian community in Corinth is referred to as the church of God in Corinth. It's God's church. It belongs to God. The church belongs to God because God brought the church into being. For himself, through the blood of Christ, by the power of his word and spirit. And the church is sustained by God, cared for by God. It is simply, in every respect, the church of God. The God who is omnipresent has his church in a particular locale. Now, but what about that word church? Very common, isn't it? What does it mean? Do you know? The underlying Greek New Testament word is ekklesia. Ekklesia. Now, you'll you'll see the significance of this in just a minute, so stay with me. Ekklesia, translated as church, is a compound word. The prefix, ek, if you think about it, sounds somewhat like the prefix, in the words exodus or exit. That's right, the prefix ex means out. Now the root word, klesia, or actually kaleo is where it comes from. It's a form form of the Greek word for call, call. So when you put them together, the Greek New Testament word, ekklesia, means called out. Called out. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. The church of God, the ekklesia of God, is the called out of God. That is the people whom God has called out of the world, out of sin to be his holy people, his saints, his sanctified ones. As verse 2 says, those sanctified in Christ Jesus, set apart, called to be saints, God's special, set apart people. The church belongs to God because God has called the church out of the world to belong to him as his redeemed, sanctified, set-apart, holy people. And by the way, this theme of the church being God's people called out of the world runs throughout the scriptures from the Old Testament into the New. So, for example, God called Old Covenant Israel out of Egypt, Hosea 11, verse 1. And in his first letter, the Apostle Peter writes to the church saying that God called you out, there it is, 1 Peter 2, 9, God called you out of darkness into His marvelous light in Jesus Christ. And there are numerous references in the New Testament which refer to the church as the people called by God. Now that word "ecclesia" may remind you of a word that we sometimes use in English to refer to things related to church matters or church business. That is to say, ecclesiastical. Same word, same Greek root. But, you know, we don't call ourselves Covenant Presbyterian Ecclesiastic. <laughs> no, no church has that title. Instead of that, of course, we are Covenant Presbyterian Church. Church is the English word which English-speaking people use. But why? What, where does that come from? Now, I, this, I think, is interesting, enlightening, and important. So here we go again with another word Study. Our English word "church" uh, comes to us most directly from the Scottish word "kirk." You know, the uh, the mother church of Presbyterianism is the Kirk of Scotland, and then in, in Germany, the word is Kirche. But the 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 thing is, what, what, what's the Kirche? kirk, church. Where do all these sounds of kuh and er come from? Well, all of these words, including our English word, have the same origin. Our English word church goes back to another New Testament Greek word, which is kurios. Not curious. Kurios. And that New Testament, Testament word, from which we get the English word church, kurios, is the word Lord. Lord. The church is the Lord's. The Lord's people, redeemed by by the Lord, called by the Lord, provided for, protected by the Lord, ruled by the Lord, loved by the Lord. We, the church, are the Lord's. We do not belong to ourselves. We do not have our own independent, freestanding identity. We have been bought with a price. And we've been brought Together by his word and spirit as the Lord's people. Now, I know that in common speech, we speak of the church as a building in a particular location to which we go, or as a human organization which we voluntarily join. Oh, what a terrible idea! Or as a denominational institution, such as the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And, and, you know, that's okay in common speech as far as it goes, but it does cloud the issue. Because I remember a song from Vacation Bible School. Where are my old Covenanters? A song from Vacation Bible School it was probably in 1990 here. The church is not a building the church is not a steeple the church is not a resting place the church is the people i am the church you are the church we are the church together all of god's people all around the world yes we're the church together all right that vacation bible school song is right on point because look at first corinthians 1 verse 2, the church of God in Corinth is that body of believers who are called to be saints, the holy people of God, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And by the way, I would just add that when Paul wrote this in the 50s, By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it has reference to Christians all around the world in the 21st century. It's the same church of God in Jesus Christ. So you see, the church of God in Corinth is connected to, is together with, is identified with the church in every place where people call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And from this verse and others, we derive the doctrine of the one holy Catholic church. We say in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the holy Catholic church. The word Catholic there has a lowercase C and it basically means, out of the Latin, it basically means worldwide or universal. There is one church of Jesus Christ, one people redeemed by his blood, one people called by his spirit, and this one church is and forever shall be comprised of people from every tribe and tongue and nation. At the close of this service, we will sing elect from every nation, yet one or all the earth. One Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, partakes, one holy food. And to one hope she presses with every grace endued. This is the holy Catholic Church, the one church of God in every place, where people call upon the name of our Lord Jesus. We can learn a lot about the church of Jesus Christ by considering the various images or metaphors in the Bible which refer to the church. We're gonna be looking at now different uh, verses of scripture. Perhaps the image or metaphor of the church which first comes to mind is that of the body. The church is the body of Christ. Uh, This was very popular, uh, this was an image which Paul frequently uh, used in his letters the body of Christ. Because it shows us that as individual believers in Christ, now this is important. As individual believers in Christ, we have our life and purpose as Christians only as members of the body. 1 Corinthians 12.12 says, just as the physical body is one and has many members, parts, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Now you, y'all, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now think about that verse as as believers in Christ, we are individually members of Christ's body. Just think about that image. That means there's no true Christian life cut off from the life of the body of Christ, the church. Just cut my arm off. That ain't going to last long, and it ain't going to do any good, okay? You see, the problem with so much American Christianity, and it's a big problem, is that it is hyper-individualized. Now, we believe and affirm in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But there can be so much emphasis on one's own individual, private, personal relationship with Christ that the church is regarded as nothing more than a kind of afterthought. A kind of peripheral accessory to one's personal Christian life. It's kind of like the gym where you go. The restaurant where you go to eat. I mean, this is completely foreign, contradictory to the New Testament. But unfortunately, it's the way our hyper individualized consumer culture shapes and forms us unconsciously but powerfully. Oh. Ooh. We go to the restaurant of our personal preference to get something to eat. We're there in the same place at the same time with a lot of other people who are doing the same thing for the same reason, but we have no relationship to, no connection with, no interest in, no shared experience with them. It's all about me getting what I want at the restaurant and the gym and the show. Is that the way, is is it that way for you right now? in this sanctuary? I hope not. Because if it is, you're living an impoverished Christian life. Another biblical metaphor or image of the church of Jesus Christ is that of the flock. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A flock of sheep is obviously a corporate or collective group of sheep identified as a particular group. They belong together with their shepherd. Even when we, each one of us thinks of ourselves as individual sheep, as in the personal intimacy of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Well... We can't have that image without immediately uh, remembering that we are members of a flock because that's how sheep live. No shepherd has only one sheep all by itself. So in practical terms, as the, as the church of Jesus Christ identified here as covenant Presbyterian, the church of Jesus Christ in Covenant Presbyterian Church of Monroe, our congregation is comprised of neighborhood flocks. Now, th- th- these are intended, you see, to give you a greater sense of belonging to the larger flock of this congregation, of being cared for by one another and being watched over, shepherded by your elders who are the under-shepherds of the great Chief Shepherd, Jesus Christ. But, and, and so it's, it's an important part of who we are, that we belong to one another. We don't want to be a congregation of anonymous come-and-go members. No. No. An individual sheep out there all on its own, not gathered with the flock, is a lost sheep, and a lost sheep is a sheep in grave danger. Another image, biblical image or metaphor of the church of Jesus Christ is that of a temple. Now, this is an interesting point. (sighs) The Scripture tells us that the, the body of an individual believer is, quote, "a temple of the Holy Spirit." 1 Corinthians 6:19. And so since our individual body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, we are called to shun sexual immorality and glorify God in our body. But in 1 Corinthians 3.16, the the scripture speaks of the church also corporately saying, you, y'all, together, are God's temple, and God's spirit dwells in you. Now, in that verse, the the plurality of y'all becomes a singular You, the many, become one in Christ. Just as a body is comprised of many individual parts, so a temple, a building, is comprised of many different parts. But the many are unified into one. So it is with the church the many are unified into one, a temple. In whom God's Spirit dwells. First Peter 2 5 speaks of individual believers as living stones. Living stones who aren't just scattered about on the ground, separated from one another. No, living stones who are being built up as a spiritual house, a temple for the worship of God. So it, it's not simply that God's Spirit indwells us as individual believers, but also that God's Spirit dwells within us corporately as a living, breathing temple. Another biblical image or metaphor of the church of Jesus Christ is that of the Bride of Christ. Now this image comes from the Old Testament, as does flock and temple, because Old Covenant Israel, the corporate people, was called the Bride of Yahweh. Now, the image of bride would seem to be more individual. A bride is not like a flock of sheep or a body with many parts. But the image of the Bride of Christ does show us that although God does love us personally as individuals, yes, that is true, yet He looks upon the church as a unified whole. He sees us together as one. as a bride whom he loves to whom he is steadfastly committed in faithful self-sacrificial love a love that will not let us go Ephesians 5:25 says Christ loved the church and gave himself for her And so we will sing, from heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. So the image of the church as the bride of Christ speaks to us of our corporate union with Christ And our our corporate union together in Christ, in which we as individuals personally experience his love. It also shows us that our individual redemption by his blood is about something even bigger than our own personal salvation. I will repeat that. Our individual redemption by his blood is about something even bigger than our own personal salvation. Namely, it's about our being included in the redeemed community, the holy people to which God is faithfully wedded in everlasting love. And that brings us to the final biblical image or metaphor of the church of Jesus Christ. And that is the image of the family or the household. Just think of the first two words of the Lord's Prayer. Would you say them with me? Our Father. The eternal and only begotten Son of God became our brother of flesh and blood so that we, by his Spirit, might be born again, born from above and adopted as his brothers and sisters the adopted children of God. Romans 8:15 tells us that through faith in Christ we have received the spirit of adoption. We have through faith in Christ received our legal status as the adopted sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit gives us new birth into the family of God as his sons and daughters. 1 John 3.1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And 1 Timothy 3.15 calls the church the household of God. And just think of these beloved words spoken by Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed. Do not let your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. The Son of God, our brother in human flesh and blood, crucified, risen, ascended to the right hand of the Father, is preparing rooms. For all of his brothers and sisters in his father's house. The Lord's Supper is a sacrament which shows us and seals to us the promise that Christ died for us as individual members of his corporate new covenant people. The scripture exhorts us to discern the body, that is to discern that we are members of Christ's body, the church whom he loved and for whom he gave himself. And therefore, as Christ has loved us, so we ought to love one another. As Christ is our peace with God, so we are to live in peace with one another. The Lord's Supper is not simply about you as an individual believer. It is also about you as a belonger to the body, to the flock, and especially to the family. This morning, will you be at the restaurant or at the family table? Now, I want to tell you, I'm going to conclude now by telling you how much I love you. I'm telling you that this congregation means so much to me personally, and just let me say on a personal note, has meant so much to me since I was three years old because I have experienced this church for 63 years as my family. That's been the identity of this congregation, and may it please the Lord for it not only to continue as a church. In which we all experience what it members what it means to be a member of god's family, may it be strengthened so and I, I want to commend you because really and truly for the most part most of you do live out your faith as members of the body sheep of the flock living stones united together and a beloved bride and children of the father's family and that's that's what makes us who we are may the lord be pleased May the Lord enrich that in our lives. But it's evident. It's evident in the way that you love one another, care for one another, serve one another, encourage one another, hold each other accountable, and worship together with one heart, one mind, one soul, and one voice. It thrills my soul with thanksgiving to see you, y'all, living and thriving as the church of Jesus Christ. Not a place, but a people. And in this flock, we got baby sheep, we got growing sheep, we got mama, daddy sheep, we got senior sheep, but we're one family. That's who we are and our life together. Worshiping together, praying together, eating together, having fun together, mission service together. That's what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. Small groups, Bible studies, deep personal Christian friendships, for intimate conversation. That's what it means to be the church. But if that's not your experience as a Christian, if this is just a place where you come when you want to, along with a bunch of other people who just happen to be here at the same place, doing the same thing at the same time for ostensibly the same reason, I want you to consider seriously what the Bible says about the church of Jesus Christ, about what it means, what it really means to belong to, to be a personal part of his body, his flock, his temple, his bride, his Family because there's no living of the Christian life outside of that. There's just not. And I want to invite you and encourage you and exhort you to deepen, listen, deepen your personal relationship with Jesus Christ by deepening your personal relationship with his church in this local congregation or another local congregation. in this local congregation or another local congregation where the Bible is taught as the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed as the way of salvation. That's the way we begin to, here we are, look. Life together in the church, in a local body, flock, family, That's the way, that's the way we begin now to live the life of heaven on earth. To God be the glory, let us pray. Our Father, we are amazed at your wonderful love, your grace, your mercy, the plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, and the fact that you would embrace us in him as your own beloved children. All honor, praise, and glory be to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. In response to the glorious gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, let us stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe. was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge quick and dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, a Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. 阿们